positive feedback loop. Welcome everyone to Positive Feedback Loop. We are so happy to be here. I'd like to introduce myself. I am Stephanie and I'm here with my co-hosts Luis and Ray. Hello. Welcome back everybody. We are so happy to be jumping on to another fabulous episode with you, our dear Piffles, our listeners who are always with us through thick and thin. And today we have an awesome episode for you. The topic has to do with something pretty futuristic, I'd have to say. And that is... The sort of thing we never talk about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We do love the future. And that is quantum internet. We've thought a lot about this and discussed it uh, in our chats. We have been discussing among ourselves for some time the possibility of talking about quantum internet. And this topic relates to quantum computing, which is coming down the line, although quantum internet is more likely to come before quantum computing. And it also relates before to... Before or after? No, actually before. Yeah. So it relates to cryptography. Well, it relates okay. to uh, many different right. facets of life. So... It's not that the quantum internet will come before. It's more that the, like, the quantum networking will come before. Quantum internet a little bit further off. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I the, don't the know. First... I would... I so would... currently, it looks like... Because we have quantum computing, kind of. It... Yeah. We so don't right... have uh, There's computing. so many specifics. Right. So let's explain it a little bit. Right now, yeah. it looks yeah. like there are no networks connecting quantum processors or quantum repeaters deployed outside of a lab. And apparently, there are five quantum networks... And the first one was started in 2001, which is crazy. DARPA Quantum Network. Uh, the second one is Sikokwa QKD Network in Vienna, 2003. There's one in Tokyo, 2009. There's one in China, Hierarchical Network in Wahoo, China. That was in 2009. And there's one in Geneva. It's called the Geneva Area Network Swiss Com- Swiss quantum 2010 and they have different levels of security for each of them and yeah, i wouldn't so say these like are true networks already out there yeah but Sorry, i wouldn't say these are true networks like networking network like we're projects. thinking about it it's well, that yeah. they there, are they were able to in a test environment make quantum networking possible like they were able right. to send the photons 50 kilometers <laughs> you know so i wouldn't say that's yeah. like the true development of quantum networking. But yes, there are many labs that exist throughout Europe and China. So, that, that, and in other countries. The, there's enough, but there's not that many. Yeah, it's it's very new and there's a lot of funding that at least the US government has put into quantum internet. Quantum internet is a developing technology. It's not something we have right now, but it is likely to be closer to us than really well a good use for quantum computing like quantum computing is coming along as well but the bits and pieces of quantum internet are easier to assemble using what we have today it's also like super cutting edge since you have to like shoot lasers at exotic crystals and beam things at drones that's like the sort of experiments that are being done with quantum internet but we have caught created entanglement along relatively large distances 
we've teleported information from one side of the planet to another. Mm-hmm. It's just that not completely over the planet. It's limited. Well, stuff. and not to the other side of the planet, but yeah, a f- you know, fifty to hundred kilometers or slightly more. Yes, uh, I think the late the last thing I the most recent thing I read was that we've we've managed to bounce one off a satellite. Uh, but right, and and we can also use fiber optic cables for yeah for it's just fiber, like photons get lost in fiber optics. Exactly, so that's why we're and that's the like drones, problem. repeaters, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think for our audience, we need to talk about what what is quantum internet. How does it different? How is it different from the classical internet, as they're calling it right now? Yeah. And to kind of introduce that to those who are listening who may not be, like, the most tech-savvy in the world. Why don't we start Why don't we start by simply going at it from the perspective of, hey, the biggest use case for quantum internet is not being able to get hacked. You're having unhackable communication yeah. at the, fundament, like the foundational level of physics. But I think we need to de- so, describe the difference between the two first so that we can explain why well, this you can't get hacked. And one of the part of yes. that is that we are now dealing with the normal internet that we use today. We are now calling classical internet because there's now future quantum internet, right? And that's, we're yeah. using ones and zeros. So we're using mm-hmm. just machine language. We're using below that. Zeros yes. and ones are processing through. So this is electric, electronic. So let's pause for a second. Yeah. And talk about why, what about quantum internet makes it more secure or, uh, yeah, what makes it more secure than classical internet and, and explain it in a way that hopefully the not, even somebody who's non-techie listening to this could understand, hopefully. And I would describe it as the internet, one of the basic fundamental security measures of the internet is that cryptography is happening, meaning there's that your messages when you email someone is being encoded, right? So that when you pass along information across the world through fiber optic cables or wherever, you know, it's traveling, people aren't able to just read what you're writing in your email to another person. It's private to some degree, right? And the reason in, in the internet we have today, the reason that an email is private is that there's some key using prime a gigantic prime number. There's some key that the receiver can have to decode the message you give to them. So for somebody to hack you, they need to go through all the, the numbers that exist in the world, at least all the prime numbers, to try to kind of figure out your key. And so far, there's not really a computer that can do that enough to be able to hack you quickly enough or anything. It's not the computing power, so to speak, right? But we foresee that in the future, there will be. There, the computers are being developed at an accelerated pace. Well, it's not classical computers that are the dangers to cryptography. It's the it's quantum, quantum computers. computers. So yes. the, the reason that quantum networking and quantum cryptography are being developed and why they kind of, in my mind, come before quantum computing is that we see quantum computing coming and we know the risk. The risk is if this super powerful computer can then start hacking all of us peons that are still using classical internet, 
then we're everything we do is going to be non-secure. So we have to develop cryptography that can be strong enough against quantum computers. So that's part one of why we need it. And I would say part two is, so instead of using math, like numbers, and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger numbers to try to beat these computers, we use nature. And so quantum networking and cryptography and quantum internet are all about using nature and the, un- the unpredictability of nature, so to speak, or I guess the randomness, not the unpredictability, but photons and their state that they're in and using detectors that know which state uh, is most probable for that photon. And so now you're dealing with something that doesn't involve math to the same degree. I mean, it all involves math, but <laughs> it's very different. It's not, you're not dealing just with the largest and largest and largest prime number at this point, but the state of photons. And so well, this is why quantum networking is so important. The thing, the thing that makes quantum networking uh, so resistant to hacking is the fact that if you measure or you, and by measure, I mean you look at, listen to a transmission using a quantum network, that is to say you try to see a qubit, that is uh, the unit of kind of like a bit is the, can be one or zero, and that is the basic unit of computation in uh, classical computing. Uh, for quantum computing, you use qubits, which can have three can be a superposition of one and zero. The thing that really makes that such a difficult system to hack, and by difficult, I mean effectively impossible, is that once you interfere with it, once you listen to it, once you watch it, you change it. So if you are on either side, on the other side of the communication, you'll receive a garbled different message, and you'll instantly know that someone has tried to hack you. The person that hacked you would also see basically nothing because they would see, they would have affected the message for themselves and would just see a garbled message. Them, uh, and they would see a garbled message themselves. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, double split, double split experiment where you send electrons through to like open holes basically and then if you're observing it it actually only goes through the two holes but if you're not observing it you'll see that it's actually uh it forms like a wave function i don't think that's exactly how that goes well the observation is effects no you're thinking the one the double slit experiment is just to demonstrate that uh photons are both waves and particles Right, it but does not, it hasn't to do, it's not what, it's not. But it is a quantum mechanical itself. property that when you observe something, it behaves yes. differently. So that's yes. what I'm trying to say. I so think the, that's the, the Heisenberg uncertainty, uncertainty principle. principle. Yeah. yeah. That's what also makes quantum networking really difficult today because it's also so fragile in a sense i don't know if that's the right word but you can ruin somebody's message just by shining a bright light on it because qubits can be like you said if if a hacker tries to do anything they they can change the the direction for example of 
from vertical to horizontal of a qubit, for example. So you can also kind of ruin a, a quote-unquote transmission. <laughs> uh, and that's what I think... But you can do that with a regular transmission now. Isn't that just jamming? Yeah. But I think the point is that it's it's easily jammed. And so yeah, it's very it's secure, but can it make it? And it's also weak. I don't think it's I don't think it's any easier to jam than a regular transmission. I think the only thing that is that it has if anything, it might be harder to jam. But I know that the property it definitely has is you can't hack it because you can't see the you can't like steal information from someone. Right. And the moment you try, you not only let them know that you're trying, mm -hmm. you also get nothing out of it. Right. So if the point of a transmit of like uh, information is to get, I mean, the point of uh, the internet is to get information from A to point B. Yeah, there's ways you can block that information from being sent, but you, there's no way you can really hack and see this information. You can't see what the private information you've sent. Yeah. So your social security number is safe if you, may, if you send it through the system. I mean, the other problem with right now that they're facing, or maybe the challenge, is trying to get things to go far enough. So now yes. we have the issue of you can't use repeaters like with the classical internet or with telephone because you cannot actually clone a qubit. If you try to clone a qubit, you also, in essence, change its state. And so... Uh, that's where entanglement comes in because entanglement is the only workaround to cloning. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the way that repeaters work for, I mean, so far what they've been doing is you'll take an entangled pair and then entangle it to a different pair. It's You take two entangled pairs, actually, and you will switch the entanglement. It's all very weird. You don't need to Quantum entangle two pairs. Yeah. You can have two entangled qubits and in and then introduce a new qubit. But see, here's Pretty the sure. thing I love about this. All those experiments, all the ways that these things have been done, is all being done in the coolest sounding ways possible. Taking high-powered beams and shooting them at, at special <laughs> crystals. Or uh, having drones fly and throw information at each other and then bounce out of the satellites using more lasers. <laughs> it's all very exciting. So with um, that excitement, we should uh, take our commercial break and l let, let things cool off before the lasers burn everything. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about, now that we've talked about the, the, the physics science and the science yeah. behind behind quantum internet we're going to talk about the impact and where we think the future is for quantum internet so stay tuned is your quantum computer taking a toll on your electricity bill due to running the air conditioning all day long well never fear here at deep space relters we have some beautiful options for you galaxy front property at an affordable rate and right on the beautiful cold face of Pluto. At negative 233 degrees Celsius, your quantum computing will keep on moving without melting your face off. Contact us at Deep Space Relters. We have the space for you. Welcome back. In the first part of this episode, we talked about quantum internet how it functions, how it differs from classical internet, which is what we use today. And now we want to talk about the possible cool things 
that it could do? What are the effects, the future, the inventions, the possibilities, the benefits of quantum internet? Near perfect timekeeping. Yeah, I mean, it'll allow for um, significantly better synchronization than using atomic clocks. So that's something. Unhackable email. Right, the cryptography part of that, I think. Yeah. All the security uh, around that. Because even Bitcoin right now is can be weak against a quantum computer. So it's it would true. protect I mean, no all those perfect. e-currencies. There are blockchains that claim to be quantum resistance. I don't know the validity of those statements, but that's something that people are thinking about. Yeah, I mean, since it's a since blockchain, the entire idea of it is, it's just a bunch of math equations, really hard math equations. You can't break them. I mean, a quantum computing could technically make become a problem for cryptocurrencies. Well, that yeah, would mean even if you go back to our episodes on BitNation and Democracy Earth, uh, all of the ideas of having blockchain ballots and blockchain nations and all of that mm -hmm. can come crumbling down with quantum mm -hmm. computing without Ooh. quantum internet. Abs yes. So go um, back and listen to those episodes if you're <laughs> listening now. <laughs> Don't miss out. Uh, we also we also talked about this. I'm fairly sure we mentioned quantum computing in our Bitcoin episode. Um, I think that we've, we've already brought up this point. The breakdown of cryptography as a, as a way to protect us but it seems like we'll probably have some systems around um, to help, and hopefully this will be part of it, because it would be cool to literally teleport my email somewhere. It feels that way now anyways. I, I don't know if we're going to even feel anything different, quantum internet. I feel like someone said that about the light bulb. No, I'm kidding. There's no <laughs> way. Well, I feel like the light bulbs, people probably freaked out about the light bulb. People have said one of two different reactions uh some people have said it'll just be another layer on you know behind the internet as we use it that how we use yes. the internet won't change and that you might just see instead of https you'll see httpq uh, but other people have said we might have to rebuild the internet as we know it and so there's definitely the poss the, there are two different possibilities according to those who are talking about quantum internet now <laughs> The idea of rebuilding the internet seems like a lot of work, but um, it has been proposed even before the idea of you know quantum internet. There are enough issues with the way that our that modern computing works. Uh, a fundamental restructuring wouldn't be uh, the worst, but with quantum internet, we don't necessarily need to because, as you said, a lot of it is just tagging on a separate layer, since. Uh, fiber optic cables, for example, something that we've already mentioned that is one of the means by which you can send this information, is already a thing we widely use. It's how we do internet today. So one thing that's different with quantum computing and quantum processors is you can't just have it in your home. They have to be stored in conditions that make them basically as close to absolute zero Fahrenheit or Kelvin as possible. Just It's, it's very, very cold temperatures here. Um, not zero Fahrenheit. It has to be zero Kelvin, which is absolute zero. And that's really cold. You're not going to have a freezer or refrigerator in someone's home who can do that. It's just not reasonable. But you can have it in a lab right now. So I'm wondering if that will change in the future and we'll have technologies to have super well, 
cold? The idea isn't that everyone will carry around a cell phone that will be at zero Kelvin and then that will be able to like connect to the quantum internet, right? The idea is more to enable you to using your classical computer or your classical system, say you're the US government and you want to send some secure information from place A to place B in a way that is completely unhackable uh, or un completely unwatchable, you connect to, say, a DARPA, a super quantum computer, and then using that, you can connect to your quantum internet to send that message. So you would patch in using a regular portal, using your classical computer, you would send your message through the quantum computer onwards into the quantum internet. So you're and saying you would still have a hackable interface, though. So, I mean, there's you're transporting from classical means to quantum. Well, here's the thing. If you are, if you are interfacing uh, through, if the information you're sending is going through a, the moment it enters, like, the, the quantum computer, you can do blind computing in the, on that system, right? Anything you do is not traced. It's not tracked. All your, the only thing you would be tracking is the fact that you, like, connected to this thing at best. If you can, if it is a secure system, you should be fine. Right, but the point is that you're saying you're not doing quantum computing at the source of where you are. You're basically sending over normal internet to another server your information, which will then use quantum, quantum cryptography to then pass along that information further. So that wouldn't be true quantum networking then. It would be, like you said, uh, patching in. I mean, because mm. the, the point is with, with quantum networking, the reason it's quantum networking is at the le level of cryptography. You're dealing with, with qubits that are in certain states, and you have the receiver using detectors and to uncover the key, right? So if you're dealing with first zeros and ones, and classical networking and using cryptography, some of the, the classical algorithms that are being used today to encode our messages to the server and then use quantum computing, you're dealing with still a hackable slice there <laughs> of, mm. of transmission. So I think the point here is that the future of quantum networking would be that there would be some possibility that the cryptography would happen straight from Alice to Bob to use the names that they've they've used yeah, back in the 70s from, yeah yeah so you know Alice if Alice were to send something through normal internet HTTPS you know security cryptography of classical internet to the quantum server or you know, whatever it is then that would use quantum networking to get it to bob i wouldn't say that would be truly quantum networking it's a very it's an important technology it's a, that's on the horizon it's definitely on the horizon but it's also really complicated because quantum mechanics is really complicated i mean we're literally hacking physics you're 
basing well uh, we're not hacking system... physics we're using physics yeah you're, you're using physics or yes fair but you're using physics at like the most fundamental of levels yeah. and I mean, we did that crazy. with we did that with current you know computing and processing yeah right? that's what we yeah absolutely and which is amazing the fact that we've gotten this far you know it's hard to imagine like a little chip of some metal is able to compute anything you know yeah. is able to uh, how we're able to do may have this conversation right now yeah in different parts of the world it's hard to imagine i mean th this uh quantum internet isn't a it isn't like a big bobble that's gonna it's not like the new iphone it's not gonna be in everyone's pocket it's not gonna be a, a thing that everyone's gonna see but it's gonna be behind a lot of changes a lot of like banks are gonna love this because Having a completely perfectly safe transaction, things that can't be hacked. If you there's some sort of transmission you need to send, that's completely unblockable. Perfect. If you're a government, even better. It's espionage, um, researching for research because it's also if you entangle particles, the transmission is effectively instant because you're teleporting the qubits. That's incredible. I mean, that's all the future. But it's also something that's so out there. That's hard to wrap your head around because we're literally teleporting information. Ray, you think a lot about tech in the healthcare industry. How do you think that quantum internet will affect healthcare? That's a good question. Um, well, if you think about all these new devices, Internet of Things, and a lot of data that's going to be generated in the future, a lot more data at least. Uh, we are going to need a way to secure this data. I imagine quantum internet would assist in securing that information because it, like Louis said, it'll, if anyone tries to tamper with it or observe it that shouldn't be doing so, the data would get it destroyed in transit, if that's even an applicable term here. And I would think it's all about cybersecurity in terms of how it would affect the healthcare industry. And in doing so, I think people would be more trusting in using devices and all these things. Uh, the idea of adding additional... Uh, the, some, uh, recently, there was an experiment done to send uh, Qtrit of data. What? Qtrit. So it's basically a qubit, but it has more modes so if a qubit is uh zero or one this i believe is zero one or two and it's or a superposition of thereof well i think yeah. that qubits themselves can have superimposition because i i don't think a qubit is zero or one i think that's yeah classical. zero one zero one or a superposition of the two yes that is correct i skipped that bit which is like in, in so many different possibilities it creates like an infinite I mean, it changes how much information we can send uh, at once because we can pack more information in each bit or Q-trip. Yeah, I don't know. The internet's weird. I'm I'm worried about it every day. Not <laughs> not so much from the like the cybersecurity side, but just like the what are we doing to each other? Do we need to trust institutions if we can just t trust individuals and each other and smaller communities better? No, I think that institutions are important. I think institutions help us uh, from ourselves. I think that there are... Institutions can be abusive and can be destructive, but they also are foundational. They are the things that 
stand when a person one lifetime doesn't yeah if the institution is transparent i agree but if there is a walled garden around the institution and they can be corrupt or abuse their power i think it's you know kind of dangerous I think everything can abuse their, its power. I mean, you can't human. abuse their power if there if is no way to do, to, to do so. Well, I think that's what blockchain tries to do, is to decentralize power. power. But then you have it tries. the other kind of dark side of decentralization, which is social currency. This idea that, well, now we'll just see what kind of social currency this person has, and I will have i will base my trust on that and is that really oh, you mean china proper <laughs> specifically what's happening in china where social currency is now this kind of measurement of can you trust a person and that's that's not also not a, a great way to be measuring uh, does not allow for a lot of things we need well, that's that's so. not so much uh an issue with something like blockchain because that is very much a centralizing thing right that is yeah. The Chinese government trying to insert itself more and more in people's lives and having uh, a, a good carrot and stick system so that, hey, you either talk good about us or you don't get to travel. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't leave. But uh, I think that the uh, issue here is, you know, if you're if power is decentralized, then you have to build up some credibility somehow as an individual then. Right. And so yeah. you have to build up cur- social currency or cryptocurrency yeah, or now. whatever it is. You have to do that now. You do right? have to In do that now. But for people to trust you, you what can't are just... the systems, right? So what, I think I mean, right what now blockchain we're using... does is it forces somebody to be available and and know how to traverse the digital world, for example, in order to have credibility. So if you're off the grid, then you have do you have less credibility? No system can be perfectly decentralized. Yeah. I mean, at, and at some point, and the moment you you maybe, find maybe that spot like, where it can't be, that's the like, point. The point where you can have abuse. Saying maybe like carbon or oxygen is H two O is pretty decentralized. Can't really kind of <laughs> everywhere. And I mean, the king king <laughs> oxygen's pretty strict. Oh dear. <laughs> well, so to go back to quantum internet. I found a really interesting article on nature.com. It's from um, almost a year ago, actually, like 11 months ago. And uh, let me see who wrote this article. David Castelvecchi wrote this article on the six stages of quantum internet. And basically he says that researchers have kind of laid out quantum internet in six stages of sophistication. Uh, So I thought I'd, read those really quickly it's really interesting to see that there's like a development plan <laughs> for the quantum well, yes, internet yes there's there's yeah. um they have i think it's like four or five stages that are um yeah before we can get to so there's stage zero yeah it is the six stages as i mentioned sorry sorry <laughs> so that. there's stage zero it's called the trusted node network where they can't send or receive quantum states, but they are receiving quantum generated codes. So that's kind of the first. Yeah. And then the, the, that's stage zero to be specific. Then stage one is prepare and measure. So now they can receive and send quantum states. Two is the entanglement. So now they can actually obtain entangled states, uh, which is where the encryption comes in. So now encryption is possible. 
the third is quantum memory networks. So now they are obtaining these entangled qubits and they're able to store them and that therefore they can also teleport them. And now you have cloud quantum computing and then stages four and five are quantum computing. So quantum internet actually in its stages comes to the point where it makes cloud quantum computing possible and then quantum computing after that. So it's interesting to see how, first of all, that quantum internet or quantum networking, perhaps to be specific, leads us to developing quantum computing. It's not so much that it leads us to developing quantum computing. It's just that once both quantum computing is sufficiently developed and the quantum internet sufficiently developed, then we can have that wonderful conflicts of the two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, the quantum internet is simply how, how do you send things from A to B and make sure that it gets from A to B in a reliable, effective, cost-effective, cost and not and accurate way, right? That's what the quantum internet effectively does. Whereas quantum computing is more like the actual uses of the information. How do you manipulate qubits to do a thing? Probably not making a cat video, but... at doing um processing a big problem or trying to figure out the structure of a protein that sort of thing or reaction of a protein that's not structured so much in real time too yeah be cool it's much faster all the time for every single cell in your body well that that would require quite a bit of quantum computing power but maybe who knows the future I mean, is uh, if nanobots are going to be yet. a thing, if, you know, if nanobots are going to be a thing, and we're going to have nanobots in our bodies constantly, so little computers working and doing things, it's going to require, I think, a quantum computer, or internet. No, no, I, I think that your quantum computers, as far right now, require too much in terms of um, cooling for it to be any sort of use in anywhere near a home. This goes back to what Ray Mm. had mentioned uh, in our conversation about having to have, like, what is it, a a giant freezer in your house? Yeah, Yeah, it it has to be be able to keep it at uh, effectively absolute zero or close to. Uh, It's it's tough. You need a lab, at least, and you probably will for the next decade. I don't see that coming in a... Uh, laptop form for a while. Well, I think that... Although maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, that's part of... As we look out to the future of quantum internet and quantum computing, we're looking at the feasibility. Some of these things are already technically possible. Stage one, for example, hasn't been tried on a large scale, but it's technically feasible, according to the article in Nature.com, at the scale of small cities. In stage two, where we're dealing with entanglement and encryption, those techniques already exist in lab demonstrations. So we're actually at stage two. But like you said, Luis, we have to then get to like the later stages of stage two, right? Like the the trustworthiness of the experiment, so to speak, where it doesn't just play out in a lab, but that a whole city is now using quantum internet at this level so within yeah, something those stages, that requires uh less cu- less jo- workarounds and fewer giant lasers <laughs> and and giant cooling systems and whatever else yes. is needed so 
Uh, it's really, it's been an interesting conversation to talk about quantum internet and not only how it works and why it's needed, but how it may impact us. It really sounds like it could, I mean, we, the internet impacts us at every level of our lives, it seems. And so uh, the next level to that is quantum computing, where it will drastically affect the way we live and work and network and use finance and healthcare in every aspect of our lives. So thank you for joining us on this little adventure through quantum internet and this discussion. Thanks for listening to our episodes as always. Visit our website at pflpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the PFL podcast and find us on Facebook. And of course, we're on YouTube. So you can actually listen not just through SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else, but also even on YouTube. Join us there. We look forward to our next great episode together. And we welcome all of your comments, of course, through social media and uh, through our website. So give us some ideas and we'll get to work. And as always, stay crazy. crazy.